You're listening to the Mondays with Midja podcast, founder and CEO of Legal Leadership, a company specialising in the leadership training and coaching of lawyers. Get set to jumpstart your week with a shot of mojo as Midja and her guests talk all things life, love and leadership. Hey, it's Monday and I'm Midja and welcome to the podcast all about life, love and leadership. I have a very special guest in the studio today with us, Lauren Dare. She's got that giggling, like nervous giggle. <laughs> oh, I'm anxious. <laughs> what awesome. will you say? I know, I know. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Great to have you in the studio. Thank you so much for having us. We're very excited, albeit, um, yeah, a little bit scared scared mm. that's okay mm. now i'm gonna have a to wild s- cat you know? i have to start with something mm. that really <laughs> pisses me off about you oh yes please let's, oh, yes. let's go there let's just go just a sucker in. punch to start the day i know this yeah. is good now when i start my day if i'm mm-hmm. heading to work okay mm-hmm. so i get up i shower <laughs> do my hair blow dry put my makeup on okay get dressed by about 10 or 10 30 mm. Um, be, I must obviously, I must put my hands on my chin when I'm thinking and like there's from the nose down, no makeup left by 1030 hair <sighs> disheveled. It's lost its bounce. It's flat as a tack. My clothes are scrunchy. I'm sweating in them. Like, yeah, by 1030, 11, no longer fresh. Right. You, my friend, for as long as I've <laughs> known you, any time of day, no matter what has gone on. Fresh as a daisy, mm. and I'm envious. I'm jealous. Uh, we all have, have different priorities, that. to be honest. And mine is to be ready for a party at any given moment. And so I need to be fresh at all times. And so I take my opportunities to freshen up throughout the day. <laughs> so if someone says, "Hey, let's go do something that's a little more fun," or "Let's go and do something," I am there and I am ready, and uh, and I'm set for that little magical outing. And um, you've got to work with what you've got. And what I've got is an excellent blow dryer and yes. and wonderful um wonderful set of makeup brushes and that's just they're my tools of trade. Well, I, I I'm envious of it. <laughs> um, I am also always ready for a party, but not I don't look like that though. For the party, the I attitude's there it. though. The atti- the party attitude yeah. is there. Okay, that's good. That's strong. We can work with that. I'll bring the attitude. You I'll bring, bring the boa and yeah. then together we'll have a good time. Done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Laura, maybe we should um, we should start with exactly what you do. Oh, sure. That, that would be good. Just from a context point of view. Context is important. Look, mm-hmm. um, so I am a reformed lawyer. Like me. Yes. We just came over to the brightest side. Um, I am a legal recruiter now, so I own an agency um, called DARE. And the the cheesy catchphrase is we get better jobs for great lawyers. And that is essentially what we do. We work with uh, law firms, uh, the legal tech industry, new law and um, in-house corporate counsel teams and and fill their vacancies uh, for lawyers or support staff or... Um, even ex-lawyers, I'm finding more and more lawyers, we're transitioning them into quasi-legal roles. Yes. So a lot of lawyers are looking for something a little different and I think the world has finally taken a breath and realised how special lawyers are and what those skills really mean to commerce and how we can utilise them inside a legal inside the legal industry but also outside of it. So mm. 
um, so yeah, it's really quite diverse in terms of the types of, of lawyers that we're dealing with and the types of roles we have, but essentially mm-hmm. lawyers, lawyers, lawyers all day long getting them jobs. Excellent. And I agree. I, so many people ask me around, uh, like, what else can I do with my law degree? Mm-hmm. Like, I've been a lawyer for this long. I no longer want to practice. Mm. What to next? Mm. You know, can I start a podcast or <laughs> write a book or just yeah. look like you're gallivanting around the countryside? I do more than gallivanting, but a lot of people think. It's quite a lot of gallivanting, though. <laughs> you may do more, but you also do a lot of gallivanting. And I think that, um, a- a- as the same for me, um, after eight years in practice, I decided that um, it wasn't going to – it wasn't the right fit for me for my future, how I pictured um, all of the um, sort of my life sort of integrating with work mm-hmm. and I have a very clear vision about the integration of work and life rather mm-hmm. than this concept of work-life balance, um, which is kind of the the phrase. Um, I felt I'm very uncomfortable about that. I wanted to have a life where there was just complete flow um, and it was just my life period. It wasn't work and then home and then kids and then wife duties, etc. It was just this was my life and I think um, that's what I was interested in creating and that's what drove me to um, be in our business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel kind of the same way mm-hmm. is that I I work, work, play, everything. It's just all one beautiful mess muddled up um, and... Yeah, this weekend I'm away, at, um, you know, for a conference and I'm speaking at it. But, I mean, it's technically work and it's on a weekend. I don't mind. No. Right? It doesn't matter when, when I work, where I work, um, and if we can mix some play in with it. Mm. I perfect. think it's interesting because partly that used to be, oh, well, if you love your job, then it doesn't feel like work. Well, I'm not sure that's entirely the full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yes, you have to love your work. If you don't want it to feel draining and exhausting and you want it to be energising, then you have to love what you do. But if um, in terms of having a, a a true flow where you don't, you're not even sort of conceptualising that going to a conference is about making money, um, which is ultimately why you go to work in, in at least – a big part of that um, uh, motivation. Um, that comes from a place of understanding that work can be done in in a lots of different ways at lots of different times, and that traditional model isn't necessarily for everyone. And 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 trying to separate it or compartmentalize your life is actually in part quite unachievable, and you just feel like you're failing mm. when you are unable to do that. So you're like, oh, I'm not with my kids on Saturday and Sunday okay, can you just pull them out of school one day or can you pick them up early and then you go to dream world at three o'clock in the afternoon? Mm-hmm. You can do that on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's really about, for, for me and, and I think now for more and more lawyers, they're looking for opportunities mm. to, um, I guess, have a more um, compatible lifestyle um, and whether or not they can do that in the law, I mean, we're still... Was, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, is, you know, if you if you look at, you know, if you, if you want to practice law and you want to be an employed lawyer, you know, in a firm, um, how do you think you achieve that? And do you think law firm owners and law firm leaders are ready to embrace that and allow that to kind of happen? I think there's no better industry suited to this model, but there's no a great industry who is more resistant to the model. <laughs> and we're suited to it because our accountabilities are very, very clear. Mm. So 
because of the invention of the uh, six-minute unit um, and accounting for our time and being very much numbers-focused in relation to our time, um, we have that accountability there. It is very, very clear from an employer perspective if the employees have been taking the piss. Can I say that? Yeah. Yep, good, taking the piss. Or um, if they have been head down, bum up, it just... It just comes out in the wash. It's very, very straightforward to check. And so really we have an opportunity to be able to say, so long as you meet these accountabilities, which are so clear, then yes, we should be able to accommodate a more sort of holistic um, existence. Um, There are, of course, other aspects of uh, the law that would need to be Mm reimagined if we are to move to a true flexible model. Um, And some of that is around culture. Um, and the other th- reasons people are coming to the workplace and like knowing that their friends will be there too from yeah, nine to absolutely. five and that's their time with their people. They can have their coffee. They and can their do their thing. And- yeah, exactly. And so um, I, th- I think that people will um, always want to be in the office by and large a big portion of mm-hmm. the population that the novelty has a little bit worn off of the um, around sort of completely working, working from, from home. home. Yeah, um, and now I think a hybrid or an ad hoc or true flexibility um, is sort of the goals. And I think it can be achieved in the law, but it's going to be a slow burn and we're going to see some early adopters and we're going to see some... Lauren, never talk to me about this again. Um, it's not something we'll have offer. Um, and then in five years, we'll have the conversation again and, and it will be, all right, okay, I'm here. But I think <laughs> I think we'll get there eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So... Obviously, through your career and through what you do now, you would have experienced lots of different types of leadership mm. and many different leaders. Um, we have a bit of a segment. Well, we, we do. Not a bit of a segment. We do have a segment where we talk about leader shit. So, the <laughs> shittiest oh. things we have seen in leadership. Now, sometimes, Lauren, mm. it is a bit of a confessional mm. of something maybe you have done mm. as a leader. Mm. So maybe a little on that. Oh yeah, I've got, some, to something. I've got some things. Um, but then also from mm-hmm. just like kind of looking from the outside in. Yep. Kind of what you're seeing that's not working uh, yep. from a leadership style perspective. So confessional time first for you. Okay, confessional for me first. Um, so I took over as managing director of Dare at the beginning of last year. So I've been in the role um, as MD for twelve months. Mm-hmm. Now it was. Uh, traditionally managed, and that position was held by my husband, um, Anthony, who is an exceptional recruiter. um, And we share the same skill set in that we're both lawyers, ex-lawyers, reformed lawyers, and now recruiting. And I had sat in the background of this business, um, by and large, while I had children, etc., and while I was still practising law. And so when... I came into this seat, uh, well, over COVID rather, he decided that, no, look, we need to probably diversify. Obviously, recruitment died in the arse when COVID was announced. So, um, we decided to diversify into a whole other industry called law um, and start a law firm. And so, he decided he was going to do that and I was going to come back into the business. And originally, the plan was for me to sort of babysit a little bit, our staff, get them going, manage them. And then I got in there and I was like from day one at the desk, completely hooked like a crack addict on recruitment and there was no way I was doing anything else for the rest of my life. Um, And so... 
quickly I was gl- guns blazing. Right. But in it, what I thought was coming across as excitement and passion yeah. and enthusiasm and like, couldn't we do this and couldn't we do that? And like, hey, how about we just tear this shit down and rebuild it and it's going to be so sexy. And like, everyone was like, <laughs> who the hell is this chick? What, what is she doing? Now, I, one of the greatest examples I had of that, and it's really around, obviously, change management, I just came in like a complete cyclone and they had Anthony who was exceptionally measured, very technically focused, and I was like, nah, let's change this up and um, had a very different energy. And, um, and one day I'd had this like what I thought was just this crystallisation of a plan that was going to just shoot us into the stratosphere. So I'd like not slept, so excited. I'd come in and done this huge big map on a on a whiteboard. Oh. Right. Very excited. Like waiting for everyone to get to our meeting at 8.30. And I've tilted the whiteboard on a side. So if you can imagine it's oh, on yes. yet. So no one can actually see what's on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking I'm going to have this like big reveal. It was like having a curtain. That was like what I had pictured. And um, is it like trumpet. Yes, oh, right. Music and I'm and expecting lights. everyone to be like, oh, what's she going to say? Like, you know. <laughs> and I go in and I'm like, start this meeting, and we go through a little bit of stuff. And I was like, well, I'm sure you're all so just just bursting to know what's on this whiteboard. And I flip it over, and it was just crickets. And I'm like explaining, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And so this is what we're going to do. And we're going to go on socials. And you know that TikTok thing? We're going to do that. And you're going to be dancing and singing in no time. And everyone was just like, it went from crickets to disdain. Right. And anger and then tears. <laughs> so, oh, no. so uh, and, and actually that was also kind of my own set of emotions that were really about disappointment. It mm-hmm. was like, as a leader, I felt super disappointed. My team was not on this journey with me and aren't they so excited? And then you've had this reaction, how deflating for me as a person. So I went a little bit inward on that. Sure. And then, but, but they then were on their own journey of, of the, the anger, rage, tears, um, and so on. And so having to sort of counsel them through that when I was clearly like disappointed myself and, um, and ultimately, yeah, that was an epic fail. Um, but what I learned about it and it actually took me a little bit of time was they had had anxiety building that whole meeting with that board just tilted the wrong way. People actually don't like surprises. Surprise! <laughs> don't like surprises. So um, they said, um, and when I sort of debriefed with one of our more senior staff, who was actually one of the most resistant, mm-hmm. sh- she said to me, if you just didn't put it on tilt, if you just didn't build my anxiety for yes. half an hour before this reveal, and then it was about something that actually was quite anxiety-inducing. The idea of being on socials was stressful to me. I've never done mm. that. I don't even post a lot personally. So but you're out there going, TikTok. Yeah. I'm out there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was a massive fail, and she gave me that feedback, and it took me, honestly, a little while to process it. And um, and it was a really big lesson in and like a kapow moment in the face where like change management was – um, something change, even if it's for the good and for the better, and you can believe in it, and it can you can even be right, mm. but it doesn't matter no. if you're right. If no, no you're not bringing them no with one's you, going to follow. No, you because I can't vision. do that myself. Yep. My vision didn't work without everybody being as excited about it, and so I didn't bring them on that journey. So my change management was 
absolute crapola, but um, lesson learned. Um, mm. And now if I say got a really exciting um, new project it's about socials and so we do a lot of signposting now ahead of yes. any kind of announcements and I, I tend to still be a little bit of an announcement person <laughs> I, I still fight that urge but I try and signpost a little bit and um and I think they've warm got warm the audience a little bit warm them up and it it sort of reminds me a little bit I know one of my favorite leadership book is is Liz Wiseman's Multipliers, mm. and she talks about uh, diminishing behaviors of leaders, which are unintentional. But I remember when I first heard Liz talk about this diminishing behaviors. I was sitting in the audience, and she's talking about things like being an optimist and like an energizer and positivity, and how it's really it can be quite diminishing. And I'm sitting there and it was just this, uh, like the penny dropped that my cheerleading style of leadership, my ex- wet your pants excitement, whoa, Which you think is this. your magic sauce, yes. your special sauce. That's the what you thought was great about you as a leader. Yeah, yeah. the woo-woo leader because I'm yeah. a woo-woo girl. And, and I was like, ah, uh, this is why mm. some people in my team give me a certain look of this. They roll, the, the eyes go to this. They're like, here goes Midger again, excited about something. And I could never, because I just think, well, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I'm being positive. I'm being optimistic. I'm bringing energy. And then I realised, oh, at certain times that can actually be diminishing as a leader. And it was really a, oh, moment And I me. think part of that diminishing can really be amplified too in circumstances where uh, if you are a newly appointed leader and some of your um, team has actually been doing the job for much longer than you, mm-hmm. pretty successfully without you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so when you say we're going to do something differently, what they actually hear, I think, is what you've been doing is wrong or shit or less than and what we're doing now, now that I'm here and I can see all the terrible things that you've been doing for the last five years, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear and I'm going to save you and this is the better way, this is the light and what you've been doing is lesser. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's sometimes how it's received and I think that innovation and change in general can have that perception um, and Absolutely. people go into themselves and it feels like a criticism about the way that they do it. And it's really not. It's about, I think, if you have a, uh innovation mindset or a trailblazer mindset, it is just kind of who you are and you are interested in best practice and you are interested in constantly iterating, not for the not because you like disruption and being a disruptor, that fits doesn't sit well with me at all. It might be the consequence, but it's mm-hmm. not the why. The why is about, isn't this such a wonderful thing we're doing in this business? Aren't we? Let's give our clients, our candidates the best experience. How can we do that? Oh, I've had an idea about that and 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 let's explore it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always, I think when it comes from a pure place of innovation for the right why, not to just disrupt or be disruptive, mm-hmm. then um, yeah, so you just got to be careful of that backlash, I think, about that diminishing belief. Mm. And so what, talking to leaders now in the industry, um, what are they looking for in their people? You know, if they're looking to, rec- and I know it might be different for different roles and obviously different, uh, different organisations have different cultures, mm. but what's kind of, on the list now around what traits, attributes, behaviours, mindset, all that kind of stuff. What are, what are leaders looking for? 
for people that I mean, get what I want leaders to be looking for and what I – because if we're moving towards some model of flexibility, mm-hmm. if we're moving to some kind of um, autonomy in the way in which even more junior lawyers practice, then the trade in which we should be hiring on should be trust. Mm-hmm. Because the skills can be developed. We have the technology and the, the um, systems to develop skills – but if you don't trust them, then you won't trust them at home, but you equally probably won't trust them in the office. So I think trust is now a fundamental criteria, and mm-hmm. we talk about that a lot okay. um, in terms of traits that leaders are seeking and something that we, you know, we are encouraging people to, to employ on. Um, and I think there, some of the older partners who have got, say, five to seven years left of their practice or less, Mm -hmm. they're not interested in, excuse me, not interested in learning a new way. They're interested in someone getting all of their knowledge. And so what we're finding is that sort of knowledge harvesting piece has become incredibly important. Uh, And so some of the the older leaders or people who are looking at retiring, retiring or exiting are looking for... Uh, knowledge thirsty right candidates mm-hmm. knowledge thirsty lawyers who want to come in and just kind of absorb it and then yep. kind of have the crown put on their head but there seems to be a perception that um lawyers somehow want to find a shortcut around getting to partner or getting to whatever the goal is and i'm i i actually have to say i, I probably disagree with that lawyers aren't looking for shortcuts they've just got options now and so what feels like oh they don't want to come and work in this you know in big law or whatever is is not it, it's not because they're lazy and don't want to do seven or seven and a half billables a day what they've just got other options that seem a little sexier and who isn't going to choose sexier if that's what's put in front of them so um so yeah i think there's so we've got to make some of those roles sexier Oh, we've got to bring sexy back. And I <laughs> recently went to – I was invited to a partner's retreat, um, which is happening more and more. I'm, I'm sure, though, that once the word spreads about this one, it'll um, it'll all come to a, a crashing halt. But um, I went in and I started by singing We're Bringing Sexy Back. Yeah. Because, yeah. So – and, and the really that is because um, in some parts the brand was a little on the nose mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and totally embedded – in the history of the law. <laughs> and that is appealing to a certain type of candidate, but that candidate pool is now shrinking, shrinking, shrinking Smaller. with every graduate year, okay? Yes. And so uh, when we've already got a candidate shortage in law and many other professional services in this country, when we already have a candidate shortage and you've already got a niche market of kind of like old school traditional right people and that's your traditional market and then you want to shrink it again by like not even a little bit meeting the market then you're just gonna die and you're no longer sexy and you could only get a girlfriend so to speak by dating in the dark and that's not a healthy way to start a relationship (laughs) i know that (laughs) i know that okay wow yep I actually came into a keynote once. No, it wasn't a keynote. It was a great debate at an ALA conference to bring in sexy back. Oh, I knew we were I, aligned. I went yeah, meeting of the minds. I, I you danced and I. down the down the centre of that. Was that uh, the old Century Cove? 
inter, intercontinental. Oh, there was intercon. a conference there. Okay. And a great debate. Yeah. And it was something lawyers are sexier than something. I don't know what the debate was about. but I would have paid to see that. I would have yeah, I danced down. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Um, and I love that sexy. And it, I love Richard Branson. He talks a lot about, you know, creating, you know, a sexy brand, a sexy business. And he just talks about it in, in a way that just that people want to be involved in it. It's attractive. It's another word for attractive. Yeah, it's just and that you could take make it less creepy if you don't use the word sexy and we can say attractive. Um, that's just not as good a bite, is it? Yeah. So it's, let's use the word sexy just on absolutely. the basis of bite factor. But what employers now need to um, to look at when we talk about sexy or attractive is building out a robust and agile attraction strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not only attracting talent outside of the firm inwards in lateral hires and and graduates, um, but also to just keep their current staff attracted to them. Yes. You know, let's keep, like, it, keep it fresh. You know, mm-hmm. um, let's um, let's invest in the relationships that are already there. You're already Absolutely. married. Let's put in the work. Let's keep it. You know, buy a new suit. Do do the thing. Could brush we your have hair. some date yes. nights? Could we? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Now this leads us very wonderfully onto um, our love segment and because you know, I'm looking for a big love I don't know whether you know this but I am so I've been single for a long time okay about six or seven years now yes people when I say that people are like what the hell is wrong with you no nothing but no but I, you were married you'd done that I, thing. I've done that and as my good friend Carolee says like no one does single better than Midge yeah. and that, so I agree with that but I'm kind of I'm, I'm feeling like it's my time Okay, I feel you're ready like now. I'm ready. You've sown your seeds. Now you're <laughs> big, ready. Big love. Okay. Big love coming my way. Okay. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm asking my guests, I'm trying to collate this wisdom Ooh. of, you know, finding love and, and advice around love. Now you have the, – the, you're two lawyers – Yes, lawyer love thing. Should I be going after a lawyer? Is this what I should do? Give me that advice first. What do you think? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, me and someone in the legal profession. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, because um, of ninety percent of the lawyers in the legal profession, they're just a little stiff. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're suited to a lawyer. But um, and and you've got to remember, we've got two lawyers. But yes, we've kind of broken away a little bit from the law, and we're kind Mm -hmm. of legal rebels. So yeah. in some ways we're we're attracted to each other on that basis, but I mean I could turn someone you could, I could t- turn yeah. a traditional lawyer yes. into a rebel. Oh, that's, come join no, me! No, yeah, that's a thing. And that's the, a thing. Build something together. I think the idea of building something together is the the most attractive, exciting um, way to connect with a partner. That's what and, I want. That's what I and to be really on the same page. So because we were both lawyers and were still even more um, legally incestuous, we are both insurance lawyers, mm-hmm. um, albeit I, I also was in defendant, he was in defendant insurance, and then I, I crossed over to the dark side, depending on what you ask, um, into plaintiff. But um, so very, very similar um, in terms of our legal experience and now legal recruiters. So our um, entire skill sets are completely identical. Wow. And yet we couldn't be more different. And I thought actually that we were quite similar until uh, the last 12 months, I, I joined a, sort of a fairly formal networking group mm-hmm. that Anthony had been part of for five years. And um, and then when I came on and you sort of present every week, right, about your business and um, 
and I was taking over Anthony's seat and Anthony was starting his own chair in the in the, in the uh, chapter and um, and anyway everyone just every meeting I had after that I one on one with these members were like God you couldn't be more different to Anthony <laughs> so um, it kind of illuminated our differences because it's easy on the surface to see how similar we are in criteria but what I think that's done is even though we're actually quite different we have a similar skill set which means that we can we don't have that separation between understanding of like what is your work and my work and then our life mm-hmm. it is muddled because like my husband is my work and my work is my husband and my children are there and my husband sometimes picks them up and I sometimes picks them up and it's just kind of this muddled mess of like our life mm-hmm. and and you can do that because you have complete detailed understanding of exactly the pressures that are on each other at that time so there's always a meeting of the minds and mm. I and I can just say oh no no but I'm I'm, I'm doing <laughs> this is what's just happened so no you've got the kids like and yeah. there's just no complete question and vice versa complete understanding so I think if you can, mm. I think having something that you could build together, if you've got a common interest, That's even if it's not, even yep. if it's not the work thing, if there's like a, some kind of side project, a hobby, a something that you guys can build entrepreneurially yes. together. And we've got that same mindset around that because sometimes yeah. I do go on dates, people have Googled me before the date and they just have this look of confusion. I don't know what you do. What, what, who are you? What are you? And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know why you even came. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they start to give me advice on my business, which is oh, fantastic yeah. on a first date. Yeah, rude. I've um, seen all your videos, I've been on your website, and I think you should do XYZ within the first 20 minutes. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha <laughs> on the you, flip. Because that's yeah. what I want in a partner is to be giving me. Yeah, unsolicited I think advice. something that I learned from you about the uh, Stephen Covey seven habits is seek first to understand like <laughs> fell up back up you know um if you don't you don't really get the picture until you've kind of been in it and I think you kind of get to skip that step if you have some kind of yes. really deeply entrenched common ground and you can be different people like do we really want two midges <laughs> like nothing you know every day all day maybe not you know so it'd be a lot yeah, it'd be times lot, two right yeah 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 mm-hmm. and so I need the calm that is Anthony and maybe you need a little little calm, but something someone who really understands what you're doing and what your goals are. And this is such good advice. I'm lo- I'm loving this. This is definitely going in the dating book. Okay, good. Love it. All right, good. Um, we finish each segment with a bit of woo woo. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm not really I'm not that woo woo. It's mm-hmm. no, I'm not no naked dancing on the beach. <laughs> Just in coconuts. <laughs> Just after a little You forget conference. your audience. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't. Um, but I have these little cards then. And sometimes I give them out to like coaching yeah. clients, mentoring clients, yeah. whatever. And they're like, a, I told, it's like a fortune cookie without the cookie. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. So we have two. So today's boxes. I have one box, which is Carpe Diem, and the other box is Dream. Which box would you like to select from for your message from the universe? I know. It's, it's um, cool. I've just started seeing an energy person. Oh, First time ever. I wasn't really Reiki open. Stuff? Yeah, they did a bit of Reiki. Okay, yep. uh, you know, my husband is definitely convinced that it's just like <laughs> heat and friction and not really much more. But I feel good after it, so that's fine. Okay, so you're, um, you're so into I've just this? started it. I'm okay, on what you, session three. Okay, what are you thinking? Carpe Diem or Dream Box? No, Carpe Diem Carpe is diem. definitely for me. Yep. All right, I have to get this box now. I'm, I take out the cards and then you just feel which card is talking to you, all right? Okay. I've got the vibes. Mm. 
Okay, right. Just, what is it? It's like a tarot reading. Okay, now you have to open the card up. Oh, I thought this was it. I know, that's <laughs> what, people always think that's it. They go, okay, yeah, it yeah. says carpe diem. I'm yeah. like, no, you've yeah. got to open it. Right, yeah, from, yeah. Okay, it's also a oh, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind. <laughs> we'll get, right. We'll cut that bit. Yeah. <laughs> what is the message, Lauren? <laughs> Make each day your masterpiece. Oh. Just don't turn the whiteboard on the side. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Love that. Love your masterpiece that you're creating in Thank your you. life. Likewise, likewise. Now, um, how can people find you, connect with you? Talk to you, stalk you. Well, are you TikToking? What you are you can doing? Stalk the hell out of us on um, on 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 all of the socials: TikTok, Instagram, uh, Dare underscore Legal underscore Talent. Uh, but the home of all legal recruiters and um, and our. Uh, our hub of all of our information and jobs and firms that we're recruiting for, as well as um, featuring candidates who are in the market um, anonymously, of course, um, is LinkedIn. So that is the best mm. place to hit me up. But um, you can, yeah, you can connect with me there. Send me a, a, an instant message across um, on on LinkedIn. It's the best way. Perfect. Well, I will put obviously all of that in the show notes. It is a wrap. A huge thank you uh, to Lauren for um, being in the studio. Thank you for having me. Beach here today, and um, that's the end. Thank you everyone for listening. And it's Monday. I'm Midja, and uh, sprinkle that magic all week. All right, go out there, sprinkle your magic in life, in love, and leadership. And thank God it's Monday. Woo woo woo! Bye everyone. We trust you enjoyed this episode of the Mondays with Midger podcast. Host Midger Fisher is a leadership expert, keynote speaker, coach, and facilitator. To find out more about Midger, visit midja.com.au or follow her on Instagram, Midger Fisher. And make sure you subscribe, share, and leave a review. 